Backing up, backing up, backing up, backing up. My daddy taught me good. Welcome to the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast, the only Survivor podcast that is here to remind you, oceans are scary, man. <laughs> oceans are scary. Oceans are scary. So scary. Uh, I'm the Great Lakes. <laughs> well, let's see how many times I can cut you off from actually introing this podcast. <laughs> I think I can do it again. <laughs> this is audio edging. <laughs> I'm your host, Stephen Levine, with my co-host, Jared Sheldon. Jared, I'm afraid to say things anymore. You should be. Okay, good. What's up? What's what's new with you in the last ten seconds? Have you seen Violent Night? No. Okay. I, I know that uh, What's-His-Face from Stranger Things is in it. Yeah, I don't remember the actor's name, the guy who plays Hopper. Um, it is a well-reviewed movie. Mm-hmm. It got a lot of praise. Sure. I did see it. I forgot it existed until literally five minutes ago when my friend put it on their Instagram story of like, oh, like, you know, movie time or whatever. It sucked. We're in January. Why are you watching Violent Night? Well, I mean, whatever. Eh. It just, it was in theaters over the holidays. So if you didn't want to go to a theater and you, and you wanted to see it, now would be the time. Fine. But like, man, I don't know. It gives me Tarantino vibes of gratuitous violence for violence sake. Which I'm fine with. Sure. The problem is... Welcome to Jared's Film Corner. Go on. It was nothing. Like, first of all, John Laguzumas... How do you say his name? Liguizamo? Liguizamo. I always forget <laughs> who he is. John Lagoom. John Lagoom plays the villain, and he is awful. <laughs> and I think he's a good actor. He was just... I didn't believe anything he was saying, ever. And not in the fun, campy way. It's trying to be both, it's trying to be Die Hard and Home Alone with Quentin Tarantino, which sounds awesome, and it could be awesome. Mm-hmm. They just don't go far enough in any direction, and it sits at like this mid, like, six out of ten for me. It's maybe the most forgettable thing I've ever seen. Garbage. Don't watch it. <laughs> and I, that's like, I cannot believe that people like this film. Do you have any, any like that? Like, there's like, any, are there any like media that like people like, and you're like, How? How? Hmm. Off the top of my head, no. I guarantee there's. I have a list of many, many of them that I'm like, I just didn't get into it. Mm. I'm going to laugh if we already talked about this. I mean, we've been doing this for seven months, so I'm sure we've talked about these things. Well, I mean, this movie specifically, because I, it's so forgettable to me that I could have talked about it and <laughs> forgotten that I talked about That's it good already. Point. I can't so if you're argue. hearing this for the second time, I'm sorry. Speaking of things I'm sorry for, you can send us emails. <laughs> Feel free to do that. Send us emails, SurvivorTBT at gmail.com. Send us messages on Twitter, at SurvivorTBT, you slash SurvivorTBT on Reddit. Like we said in the last episode, we're filming, or recording these back to back to back, so yeah. like this won't come out for a while. Yeah, we recorded, what, four episodes in the course of like five days? Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. So enjoy that. Enjoy that for what it's worth. Anything else you want to talk about before we get in the episode? I don't want to live near the ocean. Because of the scary things? Because of the scary things. <laughs> That's all I got. Okay. Bumper. 
So this episode came out on March 13th of 2002. Not a whole lot between these two. Uh, really the only thing of note, ironically, uh, thinking about John Leguizamo. Leguizamo. John Lasagna. John Lasagna. John Zanya, if you will. Animated ice film Ice Age came out. Oh. In this, in between these. So yeah, that was really the only thing of note. The song of the week is still the same. Didn't change. Although there is a new movie in the top spot. Go on. It's called The Time Machine. I don't know this movie. 2002, at least early 2002, not a good year for movies. Hot Tub Time Machine. Remember where we were in season three? Mm-hmm. We had things, I mean, Ice Age just came out, but like in season three, we had Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. Like, uh, uh, I think A Beautiful Mind, like, mm-hmm. masterpieces. I haven't seen A Beautiful Mind, but I know it's good. Our top of top of the charts here in March of 2002 is Time Machine. Uh, it's rated 28% on Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh. Uh-huh. 42% on Metacritic. Listen to this garbage. 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 Hot garbage. Hot garbage. Scientist and inventor Alexander whatever is played by Gary Pierce is determined to prove that time travel is possible. His determination is turned desperation by a personal tragedy that now drives him to want to change the past. Testing his theories with a time machine of his own invention, Alexander is hurtled 800,000 years into the future where he discovers that mankind has divided into the hunter and the hunted. Okay. Sounds awful. So it's, it's a weird mix of Planet of the Apes and the most dangerous game. Yes, correct. Great. When you put it that way, it sounds like it could be good, but I don't think so. Jeremy Irons is in it, though. That's oh. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, post-apocalyptic science fiction film. Hmm. I, I, ironically, I just finished the new Pokemon games, which also has time travel elements in it, so that's why I'm like, hmm, weird. Things ringing more accurate now than usual. That's not what I want. More relevant. Things ringing more relevant than before. How's your foot taste? <laughs> um, my favorite moments of the podcast, at least the, for the sadistic part of me, is when you say something and I have no way to help you, and I just get to watch, see, and enjoy. I could just edit that out, and then you have to like jump on it and call me out. So then I have to keep it. Yeah, it's great. It actually reminds me of last episode when we were talking about the very important conversation between Sean and uh, Vesepia. And I was like, don't you fucking do this to me. What? Nothing. Go on. I saw you watching the live feed and like checking back with me being like, all right, is Jared going to say something that I need to get rid of here? <laughs> and I don't think I did. Maybe I did. Whatever. Because it's we're speaking off the cuff and don't say everything perfectly. And that's why this isn't a live show. Correct. Whenever I'm treading the dangerous waters, sometimes I'll watch you because I'm like, ah, he's watching. He's watching the time on the recording right now and making a note. <laughs> I would never. <laughs> I am the master of all things here. Let's get into the episode, shall we? That was a big we? look behind the curtain. Me and John Lichtenstein, we're going to get into the episode. Okay. John's, John Zanya. John Zanya. <laughs> John Lester Holt. Episode three, no pain, no gain. We have a lot of pain, and we can't stop laughing. Wait, what? What's going on? With the episode? No, with title? you and I. Oh, it's a big question. I, I, I don't know what to tell okay, you. Okay, into the episode. Okay. People are going to get fucked up in the ocean. All right. <laughs> that they are. We start with Mata Ama Tribe, and we have a blow up immediately. Right away. Uh, 
they get back from tribal and this is like the origin of post-tribal blow up because yeah. it's it's big and it's bad sarah comes in a steaming everyone is upset they're throwing things around sean somehow gets roped into it it's it's a lot like do you have any breakdown of what's going on here I, the only thing i wrote down here was that like they just want agency like hunter mm-hmm. is so controlling mm-hmm. and we only can see what we can see they don't strike me as particularly lazy i mean sarah said what sarah said was stupid and she should probably be working harder from you know what everyone else is saying about her and from what she's saying about herself yeah and that i think is the big pivot point it's in the last tribal council sarah said yeah i'm not working as hard as some of the others because i'm saving energy dumb super dumb yeah but i also think that like the big we've talked about it last episode it's control Hunter wants obedience. He wants to be the platoon leader of a platoon, not be working in a society. He wants this to be military structure. He wants people to wake up at dawn, do their chores, continue on, and keep working until you go to sleep. And that's kind of why I brought it up. Like, I think that's kind of why Sean gets brought into it, rather. Because he brings up the example of like, hey, you know, you feel like you don't want me to ask you to get water. It's like, yeah, they kind of want to just be able to do it and for you to be a little less controlling. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, as opposed to Samburu last season, although I was wrong about Samburu at some point, I thought it was overblown. It does seem like things are getting done. And it doesn't seem like, we've had a couple of shots of Sean and Sarah existing. Yeah. We've had those of everybody. Yeah. Without doing work. Weirdly, the ones that they're showing us of, Things aren't getting done. Things are potentially not going to work out well. They're on the other tribe. Yeah. So I I don't know what's going on here that they feel the need to pile on that narrative. It, it feels like Hunter cannot handle a lack of structure. And so he is trying to impose structure onto the tribe. And he pays for it. And he does. Yep. So we'll, we'll get to that in a hot second. But we flip over to Rotu. And this is what I was talking about before. Everyone is wet. This is, while the big fight is happening, it's also raining. Yeah. So at row two, where they're just chilling, and they remember they redid their shelter Mm -hmm. to Kathy's approval. (laughs) Yes. And they're still, they're getting wet. And I think this, this is a great moment for Kathy to be like, oh, I told you so. But instead, chooses to lay low and chooses to not, uh, blow up her spot here. Good on her. She's learning. She's learning. <laughs> and people can get off to bad starts. We saw Clarence get off to a bad start last season. Yeah. I still don't like Kathy, but maybe I'll grow to like Kathy. And uh, people are noticing. People are noticing that Kathy is turning it around. Like, Gabe says she she's turned around 100%. Yeah. Like, I, I enjoy being around Kathy now, as opposed to before, I didn't. So... Yeah, for Rotu, they're really pushing the kumbaya narrative. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see what happens when they face adversity, because so far they have not. They're not a darn one. They haven't lost a single challenge. Nope. <laughs> zero for five. On uh, or Mara Amu is zero for five, rather. Yeah. So we also have a a nice redo narrative of, uh, I mean, the last couple seasons. Of, we have Elizabeth and Kentucky Joe again. Yeah. <laughs> Nylea and Pascal are bonding and have, are having a like father-daughter relationship going on. That didn't exist in season three. Oh, I guess Tom and, and Young Kim a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. It's a way different narrative. But... Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe that's like Alabama father-daughter. Um... <laughs> no. No. But yes, no, this was... It's, w- it's definitely the Kentucky Joe Elizabeth narrative. Yeah. 
and like reminds him of his daughters and they're very close mm -hmm. and that seems like a, a little bit of a sneak peek into what we'll get from them farther down the road hopefully that was one of my favorite storylines of season two so i'm kind of glad to see it back yeah it's cute it's it's a nice little it, it's a break from the monotonous of hey, this person's attractive, I'm going to go with them. Mm -hmm. This person is strong, I'm going to go with them. These people are actually bonding. Well, yeah, and in a game that is that can be so cynical, mm -hmm. having this really wholesome connection is it's a nice change of pace. It is. And then we get into the, oh yeah, we're in a disaster zone <laughs> moment <laughs> of the tribe era of the episode. We start off with John on row two getting hit. You're like stepping on, I think he puts his weight because it's on his hand. His hand, yeah. He puts his weight on a sea urchin and gets out of the water. <laughs> like he knows what he did. He knows exactly what happened. He's like pulling the, the spines out of his yeah. hand, gets up and yells, I need someone that has to pee. <laughs> Don't pee on the things that sting you. <laughs> I mean, yeah. He's I a nurse. He is a nurse. We talked in season one about how this is an urban legend. Are you looking it up right yeah. now? Please do. I don't know if this was in their guide book no, or it's a what's pretty, going on. It's a pretty popular urban legend. Yeah. Like if you ask 10 non-medical professionals, what do you do when you're stung by a jellyfish? I think all 10 of them would answer on it yeah so essentially what i'm finding is that if nothing else it's a placebo effect like sure n nobody's saying yes go pee on that thing right away people are saying i don't know like it's not gonna hurt you because it is sterile coming out of your body you're it's still you're it's in not like bacteria yeah <laughs> but they have peroxide so they're gonna clean it out it's yeah it's more the the acid and the heat uh, heat yeah like you said if anything, if it gets him out of his brain of, Yeah, true. I have pain. Someone pee on my hand. Do it. Do it now. Sure, let's just pee on people's hands for to get out of a lot of situations. Yeah. Meeting I don't like? Come pee on my hand. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Uh, sir, could someone come pee on my hand, please? Anyone? Anyone? No? Okay, bye. Okay. He calls out to the tribe and... Pascal comes out to pee and can't pee. He gets, as Kathy calls it, performance anxiety. Yeah, I don't know about that. Like, I don't have to pee all the time. I probably couldn't go pee right now if I went over to the bathroom. Yeah. I'd get a little bit, but I don't know. And so Kathy has to do it. And she's like, yeah, I was, like, I was fine with it. And then when I actually dropped my pants, I was like, oh, this is kind of weird. Yeah. No, I think she said it was the moment she was done. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. She's like, I was standing there with my pants down. After I was done, I was like oh, what did I just do? Or something like that. But yeah, very, very similar sentiment. That's called tri-bonding. <laughs> Trauma bonding. Trauma bonding. Yes, so that's, uh, that sucks. You hate to see someone get injured. You hate to see yeah. someone get hurt. It, it wasn't life-threatening by any means, but no, still. he's fine. A lot of pain. He's in the next challenge. Yeah, so a shame. Hopefully nothing like that ever happens again. That oh. feels like foreshadowing. <laughs> Not just for this episode. <laughs> Ooh. So then we, we go over to uh, Manamu and we talk about no-nos. I hate these so <laughs> much. We, They're like bed bugs that fly they, around. That's essentially what it is. It's a bed bug that flies. I want to vomit. It's, it's bad. Have it's, you ever had bed bugs? I have never had bed bugs. I've had them twice. Kind of. I'm so sorry. Kind of. 
because the first time I was out of town when I got them, I have I told this story too? I don't think so. Are we go just on. repeating ourselves? No, go. Tell me the story. I'm having deja vu. Anyway, I was out of the town. The thing is, we have the microphone. They can't stop us. They can tell stop me, listening. Tell me the story. <laughs> okay, fine. I've definitely told you this before, but yeah, no. So I was living in a house with like six people, and while I was over, it was over winter break, so I was traveling or around the holidays. I wasn't in school. They, one of them, texted the group, was like, "Hey, turns out we have bed bugs." And I was like, "Turns out I'm moving," so <laughs> I did not go back to that apartment. Um, I mean, I got my stuff, but basically, I boxed everything up and any clothes I took there, I like ran at high heat. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I saw like I walked in one time to grab some stuff, and there was literally just a bed bug sitting on my bed, which thankfully did have a bed bug cover, so I wasn't worried about them being in there. But I was like, it was just sitting on top, and I was like, oh, 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 okay, I'm uh, I'm leaving. Bye bye. What is a bed bug cover? It's just a piece of plastic over the mattress. Essentially, yeah. Okay. It's it's a material that you put over, and you should have one on your mattress if you live in a city. That for anyone, just it does not make the bed any less comfortable and there's no reason not to have one but basically so that yeah it's a it's a like nylon or plastic thing that doesn't breathe sure. so that they can't get through it okay so good the <laughs> second time was not my bedroom it was my partner at the time's bedroom and i've been staying with her for a few days this is a few months later so maybe i brought them to her apartment it turns out i am very allergic to bed bug bites Ooh. and they swell up like spider bites so we did not realize, because we're comparing pictures online, being like, those aren't bed bug bites. Those are, those, these have to be spider bites. Why do you have so many spiders? <laughs> Why are the spiders coming after uh, me? And it was bed bugs. <laughs> it was bed bugs. Don't do it. It's bad. This uh, gave me war flashbacks. Yeah, it's disgusting. And everyone has these red marks up and down their arms, on their legs, on their chest. Like, it's disgusting. Yeah. And then we have a really funny moment out of this. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where Hunter's talking about, yeah, they're they're awful. I hate them. I, I think that the, the black-colored ones... Or no, he just he, says the black no-nos. Yeah, he says that I'm saying it to the audience, but the black ones are, are worse. The black ones are the ones that are biting me. And <laughs> Sean leans over. Immediate like, pop-off. Um, um, um... <laughs> Because they're still doing their uh, the morning show routine here. Yeah. <laughs> he, he then does a, a calling in segment about why they gotta be black. <laughs> why is it always the black ones? Yeah. The white ones are biting you too. Yeah, yeah, that was funny. It was really funny. It was a beautiful moment there. And men, and like, listen, I go on and on about a lot of different rants about, especially about like racial and social justice on this show. That was that seemed like all in good fun. That was in good fun. I nope. did not sense anything deeper there. No, nobody was actually offended it was it was a, a nice goof yeah <laughs> so then we get a moment where jeff shows up in a boat so you've talked in previous seasons uh-huh. about how jeff showing up to camp feels like doom yep and i didn't agree with you sure him showing up in a boat feels like doom like in in africa and australia when he's literally just like walking up yeah fine but like him showing up in a pontoon boat with a couple dudes is like oh shit who's going home <laughs> yeah something happened someone is being arrested by the Marquesan government. That'd be hilarious. No, I actually thought they were going to be evacuated. I was like, is there like a hurricane coming? Like, what's going on? Could happen. <laughs> yeah, so Jeff shows up, delivers 50 stalks of bamboo to build a raft. I think it was too much bamboo. It was a lot of bamboo. Because neither of them used any, neither tribe uses anything but bamboo to build their boat. That's true. I mean, they also have the, the like, rope to bring it all together. Yeah, but, but like, he tells him, he's like, use anything in your camp, anything from the jungle... 
And so they basically just end up making the same boat. Yeah. Because you gave them, you gave them a Lego kit of a boat and said, yeah, build it with whatever you want. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to use the Legos you gave me <laughs> and the instructions. <laughs> and they did. Mm -hmm. So there's really, at that point, why even have them build a boat at all? Good question. I don't know. <laughs> oh, well. So we go and Rotu picks up this stuff. They pick up the bamboo shoots and Limo Rob picks it up. It gets dropped on his foot. He slices his toe. Mm. This is the second injury in less than a day for... In the same day, yeah. In the same day. And surely the last. Yeah. Surely there's not going to be any more. Oh, yeah. Two injuries in one day? Brutal. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we have to then watch as John, the guy who got hurt before, has to slice the excess skin off of him and like... Off of Igor's foot. Off of Igor's... <laughs> off of Limo Rob's foot. <laughs> this scene was directed by Quentin Tarantino. It was, it was gross. Both the feet and the violence. It, like, he scrubs it, and like, it's, it's, I hated it. I hated yeah, it. Yeah, so no, they, they showed way more than they needed to. Yeah. And hung on it for way too long. Yeah. Then he, like, wraps it up in, I don't know what he wrapped it in, some sort of cloth, some it, clothing It piece. seems like in the crate that they got from the boat, they had some medical supplies. Like, because okay. they had peroxide. They already had that on hand. Mm -hmm. So maybe they had, like, gauze in there, too. But... Hey, uh, I get that you're a nurse, John. Mm-hmm. Maybe let the medical staff do that. Yeah. 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 Although, I guess the medical staff isn't on the island with them. They They'd would... To... Yeah, they would have to bring them in. Yeah. And I, I don't know, like, if you're afraid... I don't know what the consequences of bringing the medical staff on. If, hopefully there are none. I was gonna say, hopefully there's none. That would be insane. But I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. It's 2002. The other thing that I pointed out was that uh, when Mara Amu, when they get their bamboo shoots, there's this very bizarre shot of them just like standing around in silence and looking at the bamboo. Yeah. And yeah, it goes yeah. on for uh, probably like 15 seconds. It feels like 10 minutes. It's much longer than it needs to be. Yeah, it felt like a Twin Peaks scene. I was like, what am I supposed to be watching here? What is going on? Like if they were, if you wanted to express the nobody really knows what to do, that wasn't the way to do it. No. And also, why would you be expressing that? Because they all, like, they both succeeded. So that yeah. showing us that meant nothing anyway. Yeah. Very bizarre choice. It's, yeah, very strange. Then we get into the discussion on Manaamu. How do we build this? Mm -hmm. And Boston Rob brings up an interesting point about what if we have to carry it? Because in the other challenges, we've had to carry these boats. Yeah. So I kind of want it to be light, which I don't know. Do you... I... I understand the concept of buoyancy a little. Yeah. That's, I don't know that that's a good plan there, Mr. Rob. Yeah, I don't think it really ended up being very consequential. Like, I mean, it was a game of inches. They yeah. got very close in this challenge. Yeah. Both the boats seemed about the same size to me and looked very similar. I don't know. I understand his thinking, and it's a very smart thought to have. Just mm -hmm. yesterday, or I guess two days ago, they had a challenge to lift a boat out of the water. Sure. But... Yeah, it doesn't, I don't really think there's any more for me to analyze there than that. Okay. All I'm saying, just because your boat is bigger does not make it slower in the water. If it's bamboo shoots and it's rising you up, then more lift is good. That is true. As long as you don't have to carry it, but you don't know. I want to, if you don't have anything else on Mara Amu, I want to jump back over to Ro, uh, Roku real quick, which I always want to call Roku. <laughs> the Roku tribe? Yes. And specifically Igor and John, but more importantly Igor, working mm -hmm. on this raft. And they're all like, take a break, man, take a break, like, blah, blah. And he's like, no, I'm a man, I'm a push through. It's I'm so man. fucking stupid. This fallacy of, like, push through. You have eight people. You don't 
you're already at an advantage as far as people goes. Yeah. Why are you risking further re-injury, fatigue, and all of that when you could rest up and get better results? Like this fallacy that if I just if you're you cannot operate at one hundred percent one hundred percent of the time. That's something Hunter doesn't understand either. Sure. So rather than giving one hundred percent of what you have at any given moment, which is going to diminish exponentially as you constantly overexert yourself, if you slice your foot open, stop walking on it for a couple hours. Yeah, it drives me crazy. I get it though. Oh, I have been there, and then I had to learn the hard way. That there's a smarter way to do things. Yeah. I mean, you've you've known me for a while now. Yeah. Our first uh, interaction, we had one of these moments. Yes. I almost destroyed my ankle and was out for like three days. Yeah. You should have not done another show that whole week. You're but... correct, but I did it anyway. <laughs> Oopsie doops. So I, I get the sentiment of... I don't want to show weakness. I don't want I don't want people to use this as a reason to send me home, but other than that, I also don't want to be sitting on the sideline watching. I and I understand the impulse. It's just short-sighted, especially in in this case, like sure, like your case fine. We had a couple of days of the contract left. It was you're in civilization with a medical staff. You could potentially like if you're walking around this and like fucking it up, like you could you have high risk of it getting infected. You have higher risk of, like, you know, it not healing or not closing the wound, and then it's a bigger problem slowing you down more over the course of very important challenges to come. Yeah. It's, it's dumb. It is dumb. It is indeed. Well, yes, that is dumb. But speaking of injury, John, I don't know why he was doing this. I don't know why we were, while we were building the raft, John goes and looks for food, and he goes to flip over a rock, and wouldn't you know it, there an eel lives there. And bites him on the on the hand. That looked fucking painful. This is the same John that already has sea urchin in his hand. Was it the same hand? I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. I hope not. Dude, this looked really painful. Though. This looked pain. It looked like it bit almost all the way through. It, he, I think it did. Yeah. He said like it's yeah. It's like through a fingernail. Yeah, and I think they. Did get the medical team out there for this one? Disgusting. I think they like it. I I think they probably stitched it from when we see in the challenge next in the boat. Like mm-hmm. it looks professionally wrapped. It it needed to be. Yeah. So it, they. I don't know that they showed the medical team in no, this episode, didn't. but they definitely needed to get him out and get him some help. Yep. That was. Ugh. No more trauma. No more injuries, please. No pain, no gain, Steven. Gross. And then before we get into the challenge, interesting dynamic things. Rob admits that he's like Hunter, but he he says it in a way that he's like, no, I am like him. I want to be the leader, but I am so willing to let him be the leader and to let him make mistakes and let me back my way into the final off of his mistakes. I was surprised that he gets voted off this episode with that comment because mm-hmm. I expected that to be Rob uses him as a shield for a little while. Mm-hmm. Nope, just... <laughs> it's good foreshadowing, though. Yeah, and Hunter is upset that people are taking this as a vacation. Like, how dare they take a break? How dare they complain? Again, if you're working at 100% the entire time, you are lowering what 100% for you is. <laughs> it's, it's just so funny. And then they have a nice little moment of, well, Sean is, I think, struggling food-wise and struggling to eat the things that are available yeah. to them. And <laughs> Rob, Boston Rob comes around with a grapefruit. And he's like, hey, Sean, you want some grapefruit? It's not every day you get to have grapefruit. 
He's like, yes, it is. Snarky-ass Boston Rob. It's funny. It is really funny. And then we get to the reward. The reward's really straightforward. You're using your raft to weave in and out of and collect boxes. These boxes are floating. They're attached with a carabiner mm-hmm. in to the bottom of the ocean. And you just have to unclip them and get all the boxes to the end. Super easy. It's, it's neck and neck for almost the entire one. I know. And at the end of this episode, Rob says, Boston Rob says something about, um, you know, maybe we're just unlucky. Maybe we've just been unlucky. And I kind of agree with him here. I, I don't know that luck is the word I would use, but mm-hmm. like, it's not like, yes, they have not won a challenge. But I think back to Ogakor in season two. Like, when Ogakor is losing challenges, it's because there was a lot of fracturing in the team. There's a little bit, but not nearly as much. Yeah. And they were just physically weaker than their competition. They've, most of these challenges have been very close. Yeah. They're just on the other side of it. Like they're, it's like, it's like the odds are like 55, 45 coming to the end of every challenge. And they've, the 55% has hit every single time. Mm -hmm. During the challenge, I wrote a couple notes. Uh, One bumper boat, super excited about that. There was a nice little moment where they have to crisscross and they do. And Mata Amu gets in front because of the crisscross. And you yeah. think that, oh, maybe that's it. Maybe that's the moment they needed. No. So you should have tried to spin them around. <laughs> True. I don't know how much they're allowed to interact. Like, sure. could you just j- jump on their boat and start wrestling people? Probably so- not. No. <laughs> Someone's foot was definitely, like, on the other boat, though, yeah. like, trying to kick it away. Yeah. That was funny. There was a nice little narrative at the final box, though, for Mata Amu that I thought rang true. We come up to the box. Sean is the one closest to it, and Sean goes to reach for it, and then the boat kind of steers away so he can't get to it. Mm -hmm. Hunter then sees this, jumps in on his own, tries to do it on his own, can't do it alone. And it takes longer. Yeah, he can't do it by himself. Yep. So Vesepia has to help him with the box. So you're like, okay. Interesting how microchasms of the challenge can ring true in so many other ways. It's true. That's, That's my favorite part about challenges. Yep. So... Rotu wins again. They win. They had a choice in this one. They could either get comfort things, which were blankets, pillows, and a lantern, or a week's worth of rice. Okay, so first, those are not equal rewards. (laughs) Anyone who takes the rice is an idiot. Secondly, what does a week's worth of rice mean? Because you have different numbers of people in each tribe, yet it was presented as one thing. So Mm -hmm. would it have been the same amount of rice if Mara Amu would have won? It was the rice measured for... Mara Amu's tribe or for Rotu's tribe? What's the rations? Are they season two Australia rations? <laughs> Are they actual human being rations? So, with all those questions aside, there's like, you'd have to be a fucking idiot not to take the blankets and pillows and lanterns. Like, being well rested, oh my god. Yeah. That's a game. If, if that helps you sleep, which it should, you get better rest, you are stronger for the challenges versus probably a meager portion of rice for the next week i think the only one who would have done it was sean yeah and because sean is so sick of the food there yeah true <laughs> so back at camp manamu vesipia is like we need a w man we need a win we're we're a bunch of losers we need, yeah we, we need got to see some vesipia personality this episode i really yeah. like her yeah she's really fun try morale is super super down when <laughs> oh yeah this is the this is the moment where you're like, oh, okay, Hunter, I don't think, maybe this is the America needs to turn on you point. Hunter says, winning is something that you carry around with you 100% of the time. Stupid. 
stupid. Hunter sucks. <laughs> Just last episode, I was like, oh, he's kind of growing on me as like this like Parks and Rec, Rob Lowe type of guy. Nope. He's much more like fake Captain America in uh, <laughs> Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. I think you're, you're getting it there. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is. It's this toxic positivity of you do it. You're going to do it this way and you're going to like it. Mm. Smile. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And then we jump right into immunity. Yep. Like, oh, okay. All right. Uh, no. This is an interesting one because yeah. we have a pulley maze and this is like, oh, this is a more modern looking challenge. This, I really liked this challenge. This is super cool. And then Jeff's like, oh, by the way, this challenge only requires five people. Then why are we doing it now? Yeah, why? Wait till next week. We, we don't have to do this now. It, you can't even make the argument that they pre-plan these because the same tribe has lost people every time and they still have too many people. Yeah. So why are you doing this now? To me, and I think this was Survivor trying to correct the skid one direction. Yeah is, okay, we need to not have a physical challenge. We need sure. to have something that's more mental and not eating. <laughs> and give Mara Amu a chance. I have a new theory on this season. All right. I don't know that Mara Amu is going to turn it around, but I don't think that matters to Boston Rob. Okay. I think Boston Rob will be the first person to infiltrate the other tribe and break up this stagnation of, like, Final Four is always the, the, the dominant tribe. Sure. I'll explain why after the challenge. Sure. Well, let's just get into the challenge then. So pulley maze, one person on every single corner, and you have to guide a coconut through this maze, and the maze is lifted so that, theoretically, only one person who is the caller can see it. Yeah, and I'd say that rings pretty true. It rings pretty true most of the time. Yeah. People were definitely able to sneak a peek over the top. So Mat Amu jumps into the lead here. I thought they were going to win this one. They move quick. And everyone seems to call it really well. The yeah. sepia calls really well. Who was their second caller? Uh, Boston Rob, I think. No, Boston, Rob was, third? The, Boston Rob was the last he one. was the last one. You're right. I don't remember. Okay, it doesn't matter. It might have been Gina. It might have been. Uh, anyway, they're... they're no, Gina sat out. Doesn't they're matter. They're ahead. And I don't know what happens. We switch to our third caller, which is Boston Rob. And they don't say it in the game, but he was a poor communicator in that challenge yes he did not lead his team well to the point that hunter is like calling the shots from his corner which doesn't work that might have been part of the problem yeah no i don't want to make this a i don't want to make this season a boston rob masturbation fest like he obviously can do things wrong mm -hmm. but if you're trying to lead and someone else is trying to lead over top of you. Yeah, that's hard. <laughs> yeah. And I I I won't under I don't understand why Survivor didn't give us that narrative. Yeah. Of why that failed. They try to make it like, oh, it's super close. Yeah. But they didn't show the failings. That's true. From like from what I gather, I read it as Boston Rob wasn't a very good communicator. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's the dialect. Who knows? <laughs> and so once again, Row 2 catches them right at the end. And Mata Amu is going to tribal. Fucking hell, Mata Amu. <laughs> but it gives us some interesting strategy going on here. It does. And this is why I think... So Boston Rob has a quote in here. Mm -hmm. It's a very important quote. I, I don't care. I'm, I'm sort of paraphrasing the first part of it, but um, I don't care if we're the stronger tribe. I want 
you know, or I want a loyal, or I want an obedient tribe. That's what he says. Mm-hmm. I want to tell them what to do without them knowing I'm telling them to do it. I've been talking a lot for the first three seasons about why are the people at the bottom just accepting that they're at the bottom? Mm-hmm. And clearly Boston Rob was wondering that too, because he is rallying the outcasts and doing it in such a way that they don't even realize they're being rallied. It's fascinating. I, I don't know how he gets away with this without flying too close to the sun, but this is why I think it doesn't matter if if uh, Mara Amu turns it around. As long as Boston Rob does not go home before the merge, which, considering I know his name and it's 2023, despite me not never having seen this season and not knowing that much about Survivor, probably not happening. He, I have, I have faith that he could rally the people on the bottom of Rotu to his side and manipulate them to keep himself in the game and keep himself in a power position without without the vast majority of people realizing he's in a power position. It, it does feel like a very important moment yeah. in Survivor history. Here. It feels like the game just changed. Yeah. It feels like people realize you can do what Rich did without having to be the loud person in the front like Rich was. Mm-hmm. And what we end up getting is kind of the origin of the blind side here. Yeah. It's... Very unexpected. Like, even in the first one, where you're like, okay, they sent home someone who was stronger than... But it was clearly someone who was on the outs either way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they sent home Peter, but, like, Peter was weird. Yeah. Peter's a weird guy. This is a different feel. Yeah. This is... Okay, we're targeting the queer leader, Mm -hmm. the queer, like, strongest person here. Do we really want to do this? And but it doesn't, from this conversations we see with Boston Rob, and maybe this is a show just trying to hide it from us a little too much, maybe mm-hmm. we clear it up next episode, it doesn't seem like he was even pointing them towards Hunter directly. He's kind of like, what he was talking about, without them knowing that I'm telling them to do it. But we don't even really, like, the conversations we've seen having people are like, hey, like, are you into Sarah? Like, actually, like, romantically? And he's like, I don't know. Yeah. Being like, uh, you know, we kind of got to change things up around here. Which I guess can be pointed at Hunter, mm-hmm. can be pointed at Gina. It's interesting. This, I think, of of the season before where it has the bonus episode of recap and like, oh, here's some extra footage. Most of that's crap. If it has some on this episode specifically, there's a lot of things that they they hid so that yeah. you wouldn't know the outcome. Yeah. Would be, I think would be very interesting in seeing. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine. I was shocked but not surprised and kind of had a feeling of like, oh, finally somebody did this mm-hmm. like i've been waiting for this for seasons for somebody to see the person that's at the front of the tribe and go i don't like them being there i want to get rid of them this must have been a real big shock to america yeah so well before this it's kind of the narrative is on sean and that people are mulling around is it sean or is it sarah yeah and that's important for a lot of reasons here and boston's rob's like what if i protect both of them what if i don't so we go into tribal Tribal happens. We're talking about, oh, we've had bad luck. And that's what Boston Rob says. We've had bad luck. Uh, it's Sean says it's nobody's fault that we're losing. Like, we don't have anyone to blame. It's just we we keep losing. I kind of agree. They've gotten... they've These last two challenges were a, a hair away from going the other way. Mm-hmm. And it's not like these other challenges in other seasons where you're like, that's clearly the weak one. Yeah. That's the person who fell on their face. That's the person who passed out. Like, no, there's none of that. It's just they keep losing. Yeah. And and Vesepia then has a moment of, uh, my power is from my Lord Jesus Christ. The power of Christ compels you. It's exactly what it is. She then goes on to be like, 
but like other people have get power from like uh like Buddha, Buddha, Buddha or the stars or, or yeah. yeah. It's actually it was, like okay. Yeah. I was worried there Vesepia and then you brought it back around. Yeah, that? I mean that's kind of the antithesis of what I talked about last episode with it being so hard when you are the dominant whatever it is, religion, mm-hmm. race, uh nation state to not creep into a sense of like being like almost abusively powerful yeah with it and no she's very respectful yeah that's kind of the that's i'm only bringing that up at all because it's the exact opposite of what we talked about last episode correct and then we vote and hunter goes bye-bye and And they're all aligned they are all aligned except for gina except for gina yes so we have four votes on hunter sean rob vesipia and sarah and gina and hunter on sarah so sean was never in the conversation whatsoever no interesting i know i know like i said i think because we've we've seen other kind of blind sides i think this is the origin of the blind side i can see that yeah yep from somebody that's in the power position man that's gonna be so weird for a rotu uh when they like next challenge and they see that he's gone you're like oh yeah of course, they don't really know each other, so they could be like, wow, he must have been a real big dick. Yeah, he must, this guy must have sucked. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Weird. And he kind of does uh, by his post-game interview. <laughs> yeah, tell me about that. Or his, his confessional on the way out. Yeah. Yeah, he is not a good sport. And I didn't think he was a good sport anyway, but he's like, basically like, I was camping with a bunch of knuckleheads. That, he did say knuckleheads verbatim. Like, it's like he's a fucking bully in a 50s comic. Yeah. <laughs> Came with a bunch of knuckleheads. Don't worry, I'll tell the Red Cross your location so that when you starve in three days, they know where to find you. Yeah, that's real shitty, dude. Not only wishing failure on your tribe, but wishing death upon them. Well, yeah, and basically saying, like, you... It's it's an abusive relationship. You won't won't work without me. Yeah, you need me. Well, clearly they don't, dude. Yeah. (laughs) They have made the decision that they don't want any part of this. Yep. Ooh. So that's fun. I I really enjoyed that. I like that he went home. Yeah, how do you think he does in Future Survivor? So I don't like Hunter, mm-hmm. but I do think he'd do better. Correct. Because he's the origin of the blind side, which means he, like, obviously nobody sees a blind side coming, but he didn't see the concept of a blind side coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that he would be able to approach the game with more humility or at least pretend to have more humility than he does than he does in this season. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think any other reason any other season except for this one right here, he would do better. Any season before this, he's he's making the merge bare minimum. Yeah. And if he's on the tribe that's doing better, he's in the final four. Mm-hmm. In a future like if you put him if you drop him as he is right in this season into modern survivor, I don't know, you're probably looking at like Either, like, right before the merge or right post-merge, probably. Yeah. Like is his average. Like, even just knowing the concept of, okay, if I, sc- if I stick my neck out too much as the leader, I will get the axe. Just knowing that the blind side exists, I think, yeah. would be better for him. Boss and Rob discovered what I talked about with Lex, which is the power that you have, in this case Hunter has, mm-hmm. you have because it is given to you by the people around you. Except for individual immunity, everyone's vote is is one vote and can be targeted at anybody. <laughs> and people just forget that. They take that for granted. Yeah. So we don't see Hunter on Survivor anymore. That makes sense. Uh, Hunter is done, but 
Hunter does not then go away from television. Oh. Hunter does quite a bit on television, actually. I shouldn't say quite a bit. He does more. He kind of works his way into documentaries. He kind of shows up every once in a while on reality TV. He hosts reality TV shows. uh, Tactical to Practical with Hunter Ellis in 2004. Jesus. All right, I'll write that one down. Yeah. Man, Moment, and Machine in 2005 to 2007. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of other things. It just he just keeps kind of popping up every few years with random things that he does. He does some actual acting in some TV show, Digging for the Truth. Oh, that's as himself though. That so I don't think that counts. <laughs> the, yeah, there's there's some there's some definite stuff we can pull from here for a bonus episode in the future. Cool. Yeah, I'm gonna find his worst rated thing on IMDb. It's not that long of a list, but long enough that you're like, mm, okay. even if I have to call the creator myself. <laughs> so yeah, he he goes on. He keeps he's he's acting. He gets married. He's doing his thing. But no more Survivor. That's good. Yeah, that B B list reality TV guest. Yeah, we'll go with C list. C list. <laughs> so as if I didn't know already. Yeah, who the fuck do you think it is? Who is who's your protagonist of the episode? It's Boston Rab. Boston Rab. I mean, yeah. He just he just created the blind side. That he did. And I don't know if anyone even attri- like anyone in his tribe will attribute it to him. Because it, my guess of how it happened, mm-hmm. of how Boston Rob made it happen, was manipulating Sean, knowing that Sean does not like Hunter's mm-hmm. tyrannical approach. Manipulating Sean and being like, hey, your name's being brought up, man. Yeah. What if we just got rid of the guy bringing up your name that we don't like anyway? Oh, dip. And, or maybe even making it seem like Sean's idea, like asking him questions until he gets there. Mm-hmm. Sean gets uh, Vesepia because it's, I mean, we see Boston Rob talking to Vesepia, but it does seem like Sean and Vesepia are closer than Boston Rob and Vesepia. Mm-hmm. Could be wrong, but I mean, Boston Rob obviously gets Sarah to do it, no problem. And it's like, hey, they're going to try to, I mean, even if they weren't a couple kind of showmancing thing, hey, he's going to come after you, vote with me, so he can't do that. Yeah, it's beautiful. And it doesn't even seem orchestrated, it just seems natural. Just kind of happened. Yep. You have three groups of two. All you got to do is sway one of those other groups of two. Yep. Genius. Well, I wouldn't even call Sean and Vesepia a group of two, but their interests aligned. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was surprised by Vesepia a little bit. I thought she was more on Hunter's side of things than she ended up being. True. Yeah. All right. Anything else for the episode? No, this is a good season, man. This is a good season. This this season feels the most survivor of any of the seasons so yeah. far. We've we've jumped back into a tropical climate. Yep. We've we're on islands, there's an ocean, we have actual gameplay here. Somewhat failing miserably, but we can at least like attribute n- like, they're not just going to go into the night and let that happen. Yeah. I'm interested to see what happens with Gina next episode. Yeah. And yeah. also, like, how at this point can we not have a winner that's Mara Amu? We're, I mean, we're only three episodes in, but, like, man, Row 2 just feels like jobbers at this point. Like, they don't get any attention. Who did, You said Gabe was your pick. Yeah. From, from, okay. Yep. And then Rob, Boston Rob was your... Mara Amu pick. Mara Amu. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Gonna be a good time. Gonna be a good I would time. love Sean to win, but I don't think that's gonna happen. <laughs> Alright. Then let us end the episode with that bumper. Are you gonna insert the gun bumper? No.
Okay, that'll do it for this episode of the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast with a twist. Ooh, a twist. A twist. <laughs> the twist is, there's no twist. The twist is, oh, Steven, I have a Malort shot here. No! <laughs> we'll not do it. We did, Like I said, we did this back-to-back with the last one, so yeah. the Malort was definitely hanging around for a while. I'm past it now, but good. still. <laughs> good old Malort. Anything you would like to promote? I would like to promote remembering the agency and power that you have, as Boston Rob has shown us. <laughs> Just because you are but one person does not mean that you can't do a whole lot more than you think you can. You seem like you have some real life, you want to incorporate that into your daily life. Well, it's already my guiding star. Remembering that, like, the power that all of the systems have over you, government, relationships, work, whatever, is power that you are giving them, at least here in America. Hmm. By the power of Grayscore? Grayskull? What is He-Man's thing? Uh, I think so. I think that's right. No. It sounds ominous, he- but... He-Man is not in my wheelhouse, because that was, like, an 80s cartoon. Yeah. That's before I was born. Anything you want to promote? I would like to promote promoting things. Okay. Yeah. Go go celebrate your friends. Put things on Instagram. Of them drinking Malort? <laughs> sure, why not? Uh, yeah, go celebrate everyone around you. Go have fun with that. That's a good one. Yeah, all right. Yeah, we're a little early with the end of the episode, but that's all right. That makes up for... We sped through this one because the other one is really fucking long. That's fair. <laughs> all right. For my co-host, Jared, this is Steven. For my host, Steven, this is Jared. Bye-bye. Bye. And take it the extra five minutes and, I don't know, go touch grass. It's winter. Touch cold grass. <laughs> If there's snow, get under it. Get under the snow. Get under the snow. All right, there you go. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>